Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Uh, for uh, the first, uh, uh, the latest rather, of our election debates, I'm getting confused myself now. <laughs> uh, we're joined in the studio uh, by independent councillor Frankie Daly, morning, Gre- Green Party councillor Brian Ledden, good morning, and good morning. Uh, Jenny Blake, who is standing for the Social Democrats, all in the Limerick City constituency. Good morning to good you, morning, and you're morning, very John. welcome. Um, with not very long to go now to uh, polling day on Saturday, the 8th of February, and Live 95 will have ongoing coverage, of course, of the count, which will be happening on Sunday the 9th of uh, February. Just very briefly, since I have it on my phone, uh, what do you think of the new Limerick brand? Um, I'll come in on that. Yeah, I suppose I'm not a, an expert on, on marketing or branding, but you'd have to support the efforts uh, that uh, the councillor are, 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 you know, putting into making Limerick an attractive place to live and work and to invest in. So hopefully it, it, this does that. With branding, you have to get it right, you know, and... and you know, Is this your first time seeing it? It's my first time seeing it, So yeah. what do you think of it? Uh, my initial reactions are positive, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, and what, what Alan said there, uh, I think uh, reflects what we're trying to do in Limerick. You know, we're, we are a very innovative city. We are a beautiful city. We are on the Atlantic and we should cash in on that. Uh, so my initial reaction is quite positive. Frankie? I suppose from the point of view, the, cause, the, the councillor tasked, I suppose with their new functions 2014 to try and drive Limerick forward. And I think the endeavour is there and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of thought being put into it. And I think it's it's good and it's 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 part of a, it's a small part of the bigger picture. But I think, listen, I commend the efforts. I, I couldn't criticise it. Hey, Joe. Um, yeah, the first time I looked at that, I was thinking, that looks like a great bit of word art, doesn't it? But <laughs> not to be too cynical. I think it's beautiful. Um, I swim in the river three mornings a week and um, I'm a great believer in using the river as something that enhances life and doesn't take life. So um, for me, it's lovely to see the river being embraced um, Mm. in the brand. And I also think, as someone who came to Limerick 20 years ago, we have an embarrassment of riches in Limerick and we should be advertising Limerick as probably the best city in Europe for for, for people to come, to live and to study. So I think it's great. Right, so the colours, the the pale blue into the green across Limerick and capitals, above Atlantic Edge, underneath European Embrace. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the point about the, the European connection is very important. You know, as we go forward, Limerick has to see itself more as a European city, especially in light of uh, the you know Brexit. Uh, and Limerick has fantastic opportunities. We're a city of a hundred thousand people, uh, but we expect to grow now in the next uh, couple of decades into a really thriving, competitive, and healthy and happy European city. Okay. And by the way, since you're both obviously on the council, that that budget for it. Like, but to be honest about it, I, I, I kind of, I, you know, I commend the efforts, but I think it's, it's a bit excessive the amount and stuff. Like, it looks okay. I want, you know, I, I wouldn't be blown away now, Joe. To be honest with you, but listen, I'm not going to be critical. I'm going to be positive. I think they're, listen, they're doing their best. Um, there's very little you can do at a local level anyway to drive things forward. You, you wouldn't be blown away. I wouldn't be blown away, Joe. And, and why not? Um, I think it's kind of. Do you know, for I think Alan mentioned in, in, in the audio there, it was, you know, six-figure sum, like, you know. I think well, it's a bit excessive. But would you guys as councillors know exactly what the budget was? I think it was in the 400,000 Yeah, range? I don't know exactly. I think it might have been a few hundred thousand euros. <coughs> right. Are you blown away by it, Brian? Uh, I, I'm not, a, as I said, I'm not an expert on marketing or branding. I know, uh, but I mean, just like looking at it. 
I think if we want to, branding is important. I know that. No, much. I don't know. I, yeah. I get, I get that. And I'm asking you, you, are you impressed by it or not? Frankie is look, not particularly. Not really, but I, I commend the efforts. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. think. It looks good to me, yeah. My, as I said, my, my first reaction is quite positive. Jenny? Yeah, I think it looks beautiful, but I and I, what I've heard is that people who are involved in the consultation are very happy with it, and that's really important that, you know, people in Limerick get a chance to participate in decision-making. I would have loved to see more of the River Shannon because the River Shannon is the spine of Ireland, and I think, you know, again, we could have been using that idea of Limerick being central Isn't that what the Ireland. blue is about in the first few I think I'd love to have seen it a bit more <coughs> prominent, you know, but I think it looks beautiful. Right. Yeah, I do. Okay, um, we were running on Live 95 News this morning on a different subject that the government doesn't know what the full cost of the M20, this is the Limerick to Cork motorway route, um, will be. €35 million Euro has been spent on the proposal to date. Um, from the Green Party's perspective, do we understand that if the Green Party held a balance of power after the election that the Limerick to Cork motorway would not happen, that you're against it on principle and in fact. No, that's not true. And uh, this latest story from the Irish Times, it's the latest twist in the saga of the M20. At the moment, the, the there's a project team that's looking at all options. And I have to say that very cynically and dishonestly, the, the current government has people ready <coughs> to believe that the, they're ready to build a motorway down the existing N20 by Charlvin Butterfield to, to Cork which isn't the case, and that's a fact. Uh, many of the experts say that there's other options and uh, and that they should be looked at, and that's what the project team are doing, and we fully support that. Well, what's the Green Party's position on it? Because Eamon Ryan has specifically cited um, the Limerick to Cork motorway as one of these projects that he doesn't appear to approve of. No, he cited that particular route. That, that, the t- the so he's not problem with a motorway, it's just... The way it's going. Yeah, we, we believe in, in connecting the two cities with excellent infrastructure and that could be interurban motorway. You know that but it's up to the project team to determine. So you're talking about out through Carrick and Lish, are you, and, and, and cutting down that way? There's two other route options. One is the N twenty four, one is the R five four three. There's also uh, bypass options of Charleville and Buttevent. There's there's enhanced rail connectivity. We do want to invest in public transport in both of the cities as well. The the those figures that uh, the government are working with are ten years old, and this could turn into another fiasco now, where you know we're 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 using old figures uh, to cost current projects, and it's already at one billion euros. That's a ten-year-old figure. So, Joe, Joe, this is a critical, critical piece of infrastructure. I'm all for climate change, but I think for the region, you're for against the, climate change. I said I'm all for I'm all for climate change. No, you're, are you not for climate change action? I, you see my point. I suppose the, the point is absolutely, but we've over the last 10 years, Joe, we haven't got our, our slice of the pie in the Midwest. We need the infrastructure for jobs, employment, and there's a spillover effect there for families, you know, for the actual, you know, for the, for the, the well-being and the health and, and jobs in the Midwest region. Like, to reroute a road, I think is just like, it's, it's, it's policy madness, to be honest with you, Joe. I think this is so but significant. But Brian says the road doesn't exist yet. Well, it has been it has been visited a number of years ago, and the route was identified. Now it was abandoned by, the, you know, the current government at the time, and it's been revisited. We've we've allocated a certain amount of money for the feasibility report. The route is there. Everybody knows the route. The route is the M20. It needs to be built. Um, I think our infrastructure is so critical. Where where the other Ireland, Joe. We're the, we're the west of Ireland. If we do not have these roads, if we do not have the infrastructure, how can we attract foreign direct investment, jobs, employment opportunities? We, 
We need this infrastructure so badly. I can't even... I, this is a shambles to even suggest that by Eminem. I'm actually shocked. I'll come back to Brian, but I want to give Jenny a chance. Yeah, I think um, some of the points that Brian and Frankie have made are actually the perfect uh, rationale for why we need um, political parties and independents to be working together. It is absolutely crucial that we have a motorway from Limerick to, to Cork. Like I said before, Limerick has an embarrassment of riches. We have UL out there in Castle Troy. We have new industries being hubbed in Limerick. We need to be able to... Um, people need to be able to travel to Cork, to the Midlands, to Dublin easily from Limerick because we do have Shannon Airport and we have the ability here to develop businesses in Limerick. And if we look at what the Limerick Chamber is asking for, if we look at what IBEC is asking for, they're asking for good connectivity between Limerick and Cork and other big cities. And it just it has to happen. Otherwise, Limerick will keep developing because that's what's happening and it's a great place. But if we don't have the infrastructure, well, then we won't be able to economically grow as much as we need. Okay. Now, I come back on one point out there just on the rail like you know I cycle to work I cycle out to UL like I'm talking to families on the doors every night and if we want to support um, average income and low income families to make the change from using cars or you know to use public transport no one is going to use public transport if you don't have good roads and we haven't got to a stage yet where the, the infrastructure is good enough for people to make that move to use in public transport So you are saying that you're in favour of the Limerick to Cork motorway I absolutely am yes. You are saying the same Frankie I'm saying absolutely. Okay, well, absolutely. well, let's give Brian a chance to respond. So we, we fully support the project team that are looking at this, and these are experts that, uh, you know, the government has paid 15 million euros to get the very best people to determine what the best solution is. So do, does, that mean, does that mean then if the project team comes back and, uh, and identifies the M20 Limerick to Cork route through Charleville, the Green Party will support it? I think so, yeah, because they're, I mean... Well, well do you think so? Or do yeah, you know they're, so? they're the experts and uh, they're looking at it from all uh, points of view. They're looking at the interconnectivity between the two cities, which we we have to do. They're looking at it from an economic point of view and they're looking at it from an well, environmental why, point why of view. Why did Eamon Ryan appear to pour cold water, pour cold water on it? I'm you get it right. Eamon Ryan was echoing the points that were made by experts such as Dr. Edgar Morganroth of the ESRI, who said that particular route... Uh, may not make more sense given the cost that, and the cost was 1 billion euros 10 years ago so what is it now? Okay, alright we're going to take a break we're chatting uh, to uh, Councillor Brian Ledden of the Green Party uh, Jenny Blake who's standing for the Social Democrats and Independent Councillor Frankie Daly all in the Limerick City constituency more from them after this short break middle of the latest of our general election debates, um, people looking for your votes with us in the studio, Independent Councillor Frankie Daly, Green Party Councillor Brian Ledden and Jenny Blake, who's standing for the Social Democrats, all in the Limerick City constituency. And uh, here's a question from a listener. My name is Tom Dowling and I have a few questions. When is the last time you used the Limerick bus service on two consecutive days? And B, do you believe the existing service is delivering for the city. Jenny, to start. Yeah, so I said earlier that I actually live in Limerick City and I cycle out to UL because I work there in the Students' Union. So I had a fall off my bike, actually, um, and I had to use the bus. It was probably in the last few months. Um, On two consecutive days? Two consecutive days, yes. So I didn't do two return journeys. I walked out and then I got the bus home. So that's what happened. Um, I thought it was uh, very bad, actually. Um, So uh, the bus didn't arrive on time um, it, it took me nearly 50 minutes to get back so I, I, it could take me maybe just under an hour to walk so I didn't think it was great to be honest but I, I don't use it every day and nor would I as someone who has to commute from Limerick City to UL and I think that's a big issue considering the development of the university 
and how we need to be connected to the city. So Tom brings up a very important point. Frankie? Yeah, I suppose, Joe, both myself and my wife share the one car, so I work in, in the city with, with an organisation and I'd often travel and get the Raheen bus out to the count, county hall and back. And So would you have used it on two consecutive days? I would, have, I would have used it on two consecutive days. And to be fair, maybe it was the time I was using it, Joe, it was actually quite timely and I got to my destination on time, so I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't come here and give a criticism. Mm-hmm. In my experience, but I know there has been reports, and I acknowledge that. Uh, I've used it on two consecutive days uh, in the last week, uh, and for a lot of my canvas, I don't own a car actually, so I, for, you know, for the, for what we're doing now, we're canvassing, we're getting out trying to meet as many people. Uh, so going to the uh, you know the suburbs of Limerick, I use the bus, and, and so does my team. Uh, we went out to Newport and Tipperary. We used the local link. So I use it. Um, the The public transport uh, system in Limerick um, is poor. You know, it's, it's shockingly poor, and that's true. Uh, underinvestment in, in infrastructure over the decades. Uh, we just haven't taken it seriously. We're starting to now, uh, but it's it's long overdue. There's a transport transport strategy due, and this should look at uh, the infrastructure for public transport in Limerick. But I think uh, the only party that's really taken public transport serious is the Green Party. I actually think, um, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, that John O'Sullivan had called for um, a Citizens' Assembly on transport, which I actually think is is a really important um, point because we have a history here of, you know, and it's good democratic practices to get people again involved in decision making. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm an expert on public transport. I'm going to come back again, Joe. This is why I believe parties of the left and independents should be working together because I think between us, we'll have the best answers to be able to support the people and the families of Limerick. So whatever needs to happen is we need to improve the Joe, transport. Joe, I'd be fairly strong on, the inf- uh, on, on transport. I think from the point of view, um, it has to be done incrementally. We can't just do it overnight. Um, we have to. But take are we it- doing it at all, I suppose, is the point. I th- do you know what? I think there's, there's enough of us there, as, as Jenny said, to, you know, to work together, to, kind of to, you know, to put a plan... Well, there is a transport order, strategy, order, isn't there? Strategy. And the O'Connell Street Revitalisation Project. Like I, and- as you know, I voted for the... For, for the, the the O'Connell Street plan. And I suppose my rationale behind that is because I have to think of the businesses. I have to think of, you know, if you, if you do pedestrianise an area, you know, where's the traffic going to go? How are people going to get to and from? So, like, I, I agree that eventually it needs to be phased out, but not, not you know, totally kind of, you know... The private to- car, you mean? I think, th- I think it needs to be phased out. You can't just go in and start pedestrianising everything, like, you know, on a plan. So we we talked about the brand, the new Limerick brand there a while ago and making Limerick uh, an attractive and competitive European city. We've all travelled all over Europe. If we want to be an attractive and competitive European city, we need an excellent public transport system. You should be able to walk out of uh, the front door of your house and have uh, in in any part of the built-up part of Limerick uh, and expect uh, you know to be able to catch a bus in 10 minutes that'll take you to town in 10 minutes. And you should have confidence in that. And people of Limerick at the, mo- at the moment don't have confidence in it. Okay, let's hear another question from uh, a listener. Hi, my name is Sirsha. I have a couple of questions for the TD candidates. The first question is, will you make sure that you listen to the science and put climate change as the number one priority? Will you read the IPCC reports on climate and the WWF reports on biodiversity and put attainable climate action as your first priority? Right, so Sirsha wants the full focus, the absolute focus to be on action on climate change. Uh, Jenny? Yeah, and obviously Sirsha is an amazing activist in Limerick um, and so is Fridays for Future and I would obviously be a, a big fan of Extinction Rebellion. And I think, you know, for me, and this is why I joined the Social Democrats, is because 
what I want to see is us prioritising action on climate change, but prioritising it in a way which doesn't impact low-income and average-income families um, more. Um, and also, from speaking to people on the door, there's an element of concern over how the changes are going to be made and how families are going to be supported with that change. So this is why I suppose we'd be looking at the the save as you pay scheme for retrofitting your house and stuff like that. But I think it does need to be prioritised. And again, this is why I'm in favour of parties working together so that we have, on one hand, we're looking at poverty-proofing our strategies, we're looking at protecting families, and then at the other side, we're meeting our targets to address climate change. But I think it needs to be done in a way that is fair on all families. But Frankie Daly, we've heard in the last few months people saying that actually we only have this decade to save the planet. That if we don't make radical changes around the world, including in Ireland, within these 10 years, we're goosed. We're done for. Joe, from the point of view, I'm I'm all for climate change. I studied environmental geography in college, in Mary Mackley College. But on the doorstep, it's not coming up that much, Joe. Like the only climate or pollution related thing that's coming up that I've come across is the cement factory out in Mungret. It's location, it's the the Mungret school and, and individuals' health. Climate change isn't there now. I have to acknowledge the Green Party's proposal about the retrofitting, I think it's a fantastic idea and it's something I'd absolutely support. But in conjunction with that, my main focus would also be on the climate change, but the actual people, the fuel poverty. So to put a system in place that we can retrofit both private and broad public housing for particularly elderly people, so they're not cold, so they're not... I suppose I'm thinking of the person that has to put 10 euros for coal and trying to manage that. The key point to the whole situation is... The current system isn't working. You have an SSEI thing. I think it needs to be streamlined through the local authorities, put the democracy back through the councils and be able to you know, put in extra resources. And we see it in the local authority in, in most recently in Watergate, in Kalili, large-scale retrofit programmes and the difference in the housing and for the most vulnerable people. And that goes from people across from Cardiff and Kalili, right across the city. Every, the houses are mass concrete. I think that could make a huge difference. So that's my... Brian Ledden, the Greens. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Frankie and Jenny there. We have to work together. It's the most challenging issue humankind has ever faced. There's no question about that. I studied theory myself uh, way back in, in university and uh, it was then that I learned just how serious it is. The The world is on for a three to four degree increase uh, uh, over the pre-industrial average uh, in the in the next few decades, and that's devastating. That's a, that's an that's an apocalyptic scenario. You know, the Green Party proposal is to retrofit every home in the country. We have an eighty billion euro proposal uh, funded by low interest uh, loans from the European Investment Bank. Uh, we talk about a just transition. It's about you know shifting the dial so that we're in the right place in three, five, or ten, or twenty years time. Right, but the thing is, I mean, you know, Frankie says that it's not really coming up on the doors. This is the election at the start of the decade that apparently we're being told will determine whether the world exists. Yeah, politics is about leadership. It's not about responding. No, but if, they, to if people even on the doors aren't particularly bothered about it, well, that's not going to give you much political impetus, is it? Can I come in on that, Joe? Because you know, I, again, like you know, like I've had a similar experience to Frankie that you know, if we compare the amount of people who are talking about the homelessness crisis, the health issue, people who are struggling to pay childcare, the national childcare scheme has taken away provision for them. You know, it's not that they're against responding to the climate crisis. It's that they've so much on their plate. They're actually doing their best. And this is where I agree with Brian. We need to show leadership. What I would like to see is I would like to see us addressing 
the ultra elite, the role of fossil fuel companies, the role of corporations, the role, I suppose, of, of not just your ordinary family in addressing climate change. And I think what, again, what people have said to me is that they feel they're, they're struggling so much on a day-to-day basis that they feel like the full responsibility is on them and on them alone. And, and, and what we're trying to say is that that's not the case. Joe, I think one of the main things that I'm getting at door after door is the hospital crisis, you know, mental health, you know, the care of our, our most vulnerable or elderly, you know, Nina Hospital, um, Ennis Hospital, you know, trying to get them reopened, step-down facilities for the you know, for long, long stay um, patients and beds, freeing up beds for people, people on co- co- corridors dying, like, three, four, five days. They're the issues that I'm hearing. I'm not, like... I. I I studied environmental geography. This is a, this is an emergency globally, but for the electorate that I'm dealing with on a daily, daily basis, it's the basic health, caring, compassion, just being able to have a bit of dignity. I mean, this term is being used that some parties and maybe some politicians are involved in greenwashing. I mean, the Greens, well, you're called the Greens for a reason, to be yeah. fair. You've been consistent on that. But is, do you think that's a lot of what's happening here? Absolutely. I don't think they actually... Uh, I'm not talking about Frankie, no, but I mean in general. No, no. and um, I think Frankie's right about the lack of investment in, in local essential services. We were talking about big infrastructural projects that haven't been thought through there earlier and the money that's been thrown at them, that's at the expense of local services. We were out in St. Gabriel's, the the new respite centre there uh, the other day and uh, listening to some of the harrowing uh, stories of families there who haven't had any respite in years and that's because we're not spending money properly, you know. one one other point, and again, you know, you're all pitching for yourselves quite rightly. That's part of what this is about, and you're out there canvassing. Um, uh, does this have a feel in Limerick and around the country of one of the most open general elections in a while? Yes, definitely. And I'll probably be shot for this, Joe, but can I just say to you that it is absolutely open. People want change, and I think the government knew that when they put a short election in place. Like I could sit here and I could say to you, listen, the Social Democrats have all the answers. We're going to be the best in all these areas to address all the issues that we have. That's not the case. No party has that. If you ask me, and this is where I might get into trouble, Sinn Féin have one of the strongest positions on housing. The Social Democrats have one of the strongest positions on health. Um, the Green Party have one of the strongest positions on how we do listen to the science and address to the climate. Because of the reputation, I suppose, and the experience of someone like Jan O'Sullivan, the Labour Party has huge experience around trying to manage education inequality. And if we could just get over our personal and political differences and work together for the people of Limerick... So you're done with a coalition of the left? I, 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 yes, I absolutely think if we work together we could start addressing these difficulties okay. you know, properly. And, 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 and also, apologies, Rankies, independents yeah. also share the same vision as us. Does it have a sense of being a very open election? It does, and it's the other Ireland, Joe. I think it's apathy is, is one of the key words. Lack of investment in Limerick. It, uh, we went back to the infrastructure, the M50, critical, fines port. Um, you know, the hospital situation. You know, having that compassion and that focus on people, elderly people. They feel they've been abandoned. Out there. There's just people, there's harrowing stories. There's another Ireland, there's an elite in Dublin and everyone outside is forgotten about. We've no minister, you know, from Galway down as far as, as Limerick, no senior minister. Uh, and come I on d- now, Frankie, we've got some elites in Limerick and Cork and Galway as well. <laughs> I, I agree mean, with you. not all based in Dublin, come on. What's the question? The, the question is, is it, is it as open an election as, it's, as it feels? Uh, well, Limerick is very interesting. It's probably, if I wasn't uh, deeply involved, I'm sure Jenny and Frankie would agree with me. We'd find it very fascinating, fascinating yeah. objectively, uh, with Michael Noonan stepping aside uh, there's some 
candidates who were very strong last time who aren't running. So there, it's all to play for, really. I think every uh, political commentator up and down the country is looking at Limerick. And nationally? And nationally, absolutely. Like they, you know, they, it's a very different uh, time to 2016 and, and 2011, and uh, the mood is different. Uh, there's a, like I would say about us, there's a, a fair wind behind us. We're talking about issues for a long time uh, that people realise now are, are very relevant and, and, and they're, they're concerned by them. Can okay. I come in for a second? Very briefly now. Because Frankie made an important point around the apathy. I come across apathy on, on, on the doors. And what I want to say to the person who's listening to this, who's wondering why should they vote, is that, yes, we are experiencing challenges. Yes, there's a lots of adversity, but there is hope. And if somebody wants different and wants change, they need to go out there and vote for okay. change. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much to the three of you. Uh, Jenny Blake, who's standing for the Social Democrats, Independent Councillor Frankie Daly, and Green Party Councillor Brian Ledden, all standing in the Limerick City constituency. We'll be podcasting all of our election debates and we'll have more to come uh, next week as we draw ever closer to polling day when you will decide uh, that is Saturday the 8th of February. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Thanks Joe. a minute. Cheers, Joe. Okay. Call Limerick today now on 461995.